Easter, everybody. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's lift you back up again. Uh, you guys doing good this morning? You guys are looking really good. Tell somebody Happy Easter next to you real quickly. Come on, Happy Easter. Yeah, it's a good morning in church. It's a good morning for all of us. Um, it's good to see you guys. I, I was kind of watching in the back and watching everybody shuffle in, and I see, I see the frothers in here. The people that are excited, you guys know what I'm talking about, like you're frothing, you're excited, like you come to church every week, you're committed, and this is Easter, and you're like, yeah, let's go, Easter, like you guys are excited, it's cool, I see those, I see the occasional churchgoers in here as well, you guys kind of saw you last year at Easter, how's it going? <laughs> Glad you found the place again, like it's cool, like hey, maybe saw you at Christmas, like so, hey good, welcome back, we're, we're blessed to have you as well. And some of you guys don't even know how you get dragged along here today, you're right? Someone promised you breakfast and said, let's go church first, right? But that's okay. Like, however it is that you got here, we're just excited that you're here. Um, I got a good message for you this morning. It is Easter. It's worth celebrating. It's a really, really big deal. Amen? Like, it's a big deal, and we're going to talk about that because that video that we just saw, it tells the story, not just of Easter, but really of humanity and creation and God's relationship with us is that he originally created us way back when, in the beginning, when he created man and woman, Adam and Eve. And the reason he created us wasn't just that he could experiment and see what happens, is he said he wanted to have a relationship. He wanted to have us, he called us his kids, that we would glorify him and that he would love them and, and that we would love him in return. But you guys all know what happened, as it said in that video, is that that we betrayed him. We kind of turned our back. We kind of decided, let's go our own way. Let's do our own thing. Original sin came into the world. We broke the relationship. God is holy. He's perfect. He's in heaven, and sin came into our lives. Therefore, we're separated from God. And so the history of the whole Old Testament, if you've ever read the Bible, the whole Old Testament picture is this loving, perfect God in heaven trying to have relationship with the people he created. And so in order for them to be made right in his sight, he gave us laws. He gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave us the priests that would intercede for us. He gave us prophets, meaning certain people that God would give words to, to speak to the rest of his people to give instruction. We had to go through this whole system of going to temples and synagogues and, and, and putting our sins on an animal, a lamb, and sacrifice and sacri sacrifice it before God to be pleasing for him in, in atonement for our sins. This whole system. But here's the problem. We couldn't pull our end of the bargain. We couldn't live up to the system that God had planned. It wasn't God's fault. God said, here's a way that, that we can have relationship, but man couldn't pull it off. You read in the book of Hebrews where it says, God actually came up with a better plan, a better covenant, a better way that he, the Father in heaven, could have relationship with us, his kids. And what he did was he had to pay the price for our sin and separation once and for all. It's not gonna be through all the priests anymore, through all the sacrifices. Once and for all, somebody's going to pay the price and be sacrificed for all of us. Someone is going to become our once and for all high priest that's going to intercede between us and God. And that person was God's very own son, Jesus Christ. And this brings us up to the Easter story here is that, that God sent his own. He became one of us. In Christmas, we use the word Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God became one of us to bear the weight of our sins. He went to that cross, not because he deserved it, but because we deserved it and he stepped in to take that for us. So that if we would believe in him, then our sins are on him. They died at the cross. But here's the coolest part of the story at all is Jesus didn't stay dead. Amen? Amen? Like he didn't just like, oh, well, that was him. He was a great guy, but now he's dead. The message is over. 
Jesus did what no one ever did before. He came back from the dead. It was a, a lot can happen on a long weekend. You know what I'm saying? From Friday to Sunday, a lot can happen. And here's Jesus coming out, going into that grave, into the tomb, but the tomb is empty now, right? And so he defeated death, defeating sin in our lives, proving to us that we have eternal life because he rose again, and that's offered to us, and we've got eternity in heaven with him, but new life starts right now here on earth if we have a relationship with Jesus. Guess what? I went about six weeks ago to Israel, to Jerusalem, and I actually went to one of two places where they believe was actually this tomb that we're talking about that Jesus was laid in that Sunday morning he was not in anymore. And um, there's two places they believe. There's, there's one spot that is a, they built a church over it, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and they believe that maybe uh, originally that was the tomb where Jesus was in. And there's this other place called the Garden Tomb, and this is where I went. There's pictures I took of this place. And over the years, years and years, it's been built up above it and everything like that. But uh, a lot of people believe that this is actually the tomb. And, and if you show the next picture, it shows a little uh, rut, a little trough running along the side where they believe was the big stone carved out of rock that was rolled in place to seal the tomb because uh, they didn't want Jesus getting out because there was rumor and talk that he was going to rise again. And so all of his uh, oppressors and critics were like, seal that thing up. We don't want him to try anything sneaky, right? And so there was originally a stone over it. And you go inside, and I walked inside, and I took a picture. And this is what it looks like inside. The, obviously, the ironwork is, is in recent times to keep people out of there from disturbing it. But it's just a simple tomb. You look inside. But the power of it is the fact that it is simple and that it is empty, right? And that you just go and you get a glimpse of whether this is the actual place or not. This is similar. This is probably what it did look like if this isn't the exact place. But what was it like for those followers of Jesus that Sunday morning to come and go, where is he? Where is he? And when they began to realize what the resurrection is all about, what it means for us, guys, we have new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Like we have a new life. And that's what I want to talk about here today, that Easter, it really is a big deal. Resurrection Sunday is a big deal. It could change your life. Like the message that you're about to hear today, not because Carl's preaching it, because Jesus did the work. And I'm just talking about it here today. But it could change your life for eternity. My friend right here, uh, Paul, I always reference him on Easter because he, it's his sixth year rebirth day, I call it. Because he found Jesus on Easter Sunday, six years ago. That's why he's wearing a tuxedo today to celebrate. But, um, and I love it. Because the message of the empty tomb can change your life. Or you could be sitting here going, how much longer is this guy going to keep talking? Breakfast is waiting. Cold pancake house. Hurry up, bro. Get out of here. Like, you could have... Listen to the message and have the same old life and see you again next year, same time, same place. Hope you guys can find it, maybe catch you on Christmas. But it's up to you to how you respond to this message today. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Jesus today, if that's okay. Is that cool? We're talking about Jesus. I think it's appropriate. Here's what the Apostle Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians as he's writing to a church that he had previously started. He's encouraging the believers of Jesus. He's encouraging them what the cross and what the grave and what the resurrection is all about. Here's what it says in, in verse 14. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone. You got to catch that. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer li live for themselves. Now, Jesus Christ knew that some would reject him, but he threw it out there and he said, I'm dying for everyone 
that would receive me and the message that I'm going to preach. So nobody in the world is beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. He didn't just say, I'm only going to die for some of you who I think are going to be holy. He goes, I love them all. We created them all. Jesus was co-creator of the universe with Father God. And he goes, we want them all. But it's up to them to choose because that's real love. That's, that's free will. That's choice. And he goes, but to those who do receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And there's all of these phrases in here that keep on using this terminology, this new life, and this newness, and this new person. And here's what you got to understand about Christianity. It's not as complicated as you think it is, according to scripture right here, and another verse that we know in Romans 10, 9, where Paul says, in order for you to get the new life, in order for you to be saved, we call that saved from Jesus, and, and going to heaven, spending eternity in heaven, all you have to do is this, confess with your mouth, or declare openly in your verbiage, in the way you talk to people, that Jesus is your Lord, that he is the, the one that you follow in life, and that you would believe in your heart that God literally raised Jesus from the dead, what Easter is all about here. And if you can believe in Jesus to the point of going, you were the son of God, you actually did come to earth in human form, you died for us on the cross, you rose again to conquer death and sin and shame in our lives, and I'm, I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna believe that, in that instant, you're saved. It's that easy. And so today, I wanna just talk about that, that message, and I want you to understand that, that we can complicate Christianity with all the other stuff that we add on to it. It's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. We got to read our Bible. We got to live right. We got we to gotta exemplify who he is in our lives. And we should go and we should sing worship songs. We should read our Bible. All of that stuff is really good. But the thing that gets you saved is simply a decision in your heart that you'd be able to even talk about it. You'd own up to it. That goes, I believe in this Jesus guy and who he really is. And then you know what? The rest of the story is what God begins to do in your life and you learn and grow along the way. But it really is that simple. But here's what I love about this passage here talking about the resurrection, is this word in here that's used several times, this word new, this word new life. Easter is about newness. Jesus got a new resurrected body. We will get a new resurrected body. We have new life here on planet Earth. And I went into the Greek because this part of scripture is written originally in Greek and there's this word for new right there. There's this Greek word kainos. And I've heard new before, but that's so overplayed and so cliched. I wanted to get a good grasp of like, what does it mean if you say, I have new life, if Christians have new life? And this word kainos, here's what it really means. Just kind of takes it apart more. It says, something that is recent or recently made, something unused, unworn, and fresh, not old or worn out, something that was better than what came before, something that is superior. And you know what word just I locked onto in that that just made sense to me was this word fresh. I like the word fresh. Do you guys like the word fresh? Fresh is always a good word, isn't it? When you use the word fresh, it just, it sounds good. I mean, because if you look around in the room right now, I look at a lot of you guys, you got a fresh look today because it's Easter Sunday. Like some of the guys are freshly shaven. Some of you guys got fresh haircuts. The women have a fresh do, you know. The ladies with the fresh outfits, you know, like, like you guys are looking fresh. Like, like it's, it's a good word. Some of you are like, I even put on fresh underwear. Yeah, awesome. Like it's always a good thing. When girls go to the bathroom in groups as they always do, where do they go? Where do they say they're going? We're going to 
freshen up, right? It's always, no, none of the girls are going, hey, we're just going to go get a little bit more beat up. We'll be right back in a minute looking worse than before. Like, it's always freshen up. Fresh is a really incredible word. We always are after fresh air, right? Because we don't want that vogue. Because you guys got asthma and you guys are all, oh, I'm getting headaches. This is crazy. What are we always after? Hawaii. We want the fresh air. You ever come from the mainland? You fly and you're in LA smog and stuff, and you get off the plane and you step into Honolulu Airport and you're just like, ah, oh, fresh air, right? I love that. We're always after the fresh water, right? You don't want, like, like when it rains, the bacteria runs into the ocean. Don't go to Kailua Beach. Bacteria levels are 200% higher than normal, all that. What do we want? We want fresh water, right? Fresh is always this really, really good word. You order food at a restaurant. What does it come with on the side? Garden fresh vegetables, right? Nobody says, oh, and we got some old veggies in the back. You want some of those too? Like, fresh is always what we want. When you eat a poke bowl, do you want fresh ahi or previously frozen ahi? Fresh, come on, we want fresh, Foodland. Give us fresh. <laughs> what about um, when you wash your clothes? What does the laundry detergent say? Fresh linen scent. Like, I don't even know what linen's supposed to smell like, but if it's fresh, wash my clothes in it. That's good. Like, the fresh is always good. Some of you walked in here today, you needed it. Fresh cup of coffee, right? No one says, hey, you got an old cup of coffee. You want some? No, I want fresh, right? What about this? Because you know we care about this. We care about your breath at Anchor Church. <laughs> and we put those peppermints in the back for your consumption because we want you to have what kind of breath? Fresh breath. Okay, you guys get what I'm after today? Here's the deal is when the Bible says that you and I as Christians, if we believe in Resurrection Sunday and what Jesus did rising from the dead, we can have a fresh new life. Like fresh is always good, that there's new perspectives, there's new mindsets, like our heart can change, the way that we think, the habits that we, we act, the attitudes that we have can be fresh, renewed, unused, not worn out, superior, better than before. The resurrection gives us a fresh new start. So here's my words to you this morning. Stay fresh, my friends. <laughs> stay fresh, my friends. Turn to someone next to you and just tell them, stay fresh. Come on, just tell them, stay fresh. In fact, let's take it a little further. You can tell them, you know what? You look fresh. Just give them a compliment. You want to get a little more intimate, a little deep, lean in and tell them, you smell fresh. If that's a little bit too much, just tell them, hey, don't get fresh. Don't get fresh with me. Anyways, let's, let's dig into the word of God today, and let's talk about this word fresh. I want you walking out of here today, Easter Sunday. What was the word about? Oh, stay fresh, stay fresh. Well, how do we stay fresh? How does that apply to our lives other than our look, our scent, like all of that stuff? There's, there's three things that I was looking at this morning, and there's a, a bunch of stuff, but here's what God gave me. The first thing that changes when you say yes to Jesus, because remember, it's as easy as saying yes to him, as it's saying, I believe in who you are, I believe it in my heart, I'm going to even tell people about it. You're saved. And when you're saved, you get a fresh new start. Here's the first thing you get. You get fresh power in your life. Amen, right? You're a Christian in here. You know. You know that life gets better than just who you are on your own. When you say yes to Jesus, something happens. Look at Romans 8, 11. This is what Paul writes. He says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wait, hold on. The same Holy Spirit of Jesus, of God, that raised him from the dead is actually living in me now that I'm a Christian. It says, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Here's what I know for a fact. 
when I met Jesus and I try to live for him, I try to be a good Christian, and I try to be a good Christian father and husband and friend and, and worker, employee, boss, what, you know, whatever it might be, living the Christian life on my own is incredibly hard. Can I get an amen to that? When, when you just have to go, well, I know Jesus now. Now I got to be the best person in the world. And I got to do this on my own. How many of you guys are married in here right now? Raise your hand, would you? If you're married in here, how many of you guys with your hands up, you love your spouse? Should be the same number of hands that went up. <laughs> same, some of you need to be like, yep, just prove it. Extra brownie points. But, but how many of you guys would also agree marriage is hard? It's really hard. Like no one writes a manual on it for you. The TV sitcoms you grew up with don't show you how to do it. Like it's really hard. How many of you guys are parents in there? You just went up another level because parenting is hard as well, right? And if you're like going to school and you're a kid, you're a teenager, whatever, going to school is hard. Come on. It's hard to be a teenager right now in today's society, social media driven and all of what's going on. And I, I feel for the kids of today the generation coming up. Life is hard. You guys feel me? Like life is hard. Going to work, finding the right job, the right career opportunity. Hey, we got two seats right here in the front if anybody wants them, front row. I just wanna, I'm just gonna help some guys out. There's two here, there's one right here. Ushers, let them know, there's some spots coming down. But here's my point. Life is hard, my son said this. I asked him, hey Isaac, uh, what are you gonna do when you graduate? He's a junior in high school. What are you gonna do when you graduate? What's your career path, what's your plan? What do you wanna do? You gotta do something with your life. He goes, Dad, I don't want to work. I just want to make a lot of money. <laughs> you know, like, don't we all? That's a dream of all of us. The problem is life is really hard. But here's the, the word of advice I want you to understand here today. God doesn't expect us to live the Christian life by ourselves on our own. God doesn't expect us to be good Christians in every area of our lives on our own because he gave us a helper. That Jesus said, I'm leaving you know, I resurrected from the dead, hung around for 40 days, letting everybody know I'm real. Here's some final words of advice. I'm going up to heaven. I'm going to ascend to the Father, and I'm going to go get the place ready for you when you get here someday. But guess who I'm leaving with you? A helper, a comforter, a guide, someone that's going to lead you into all truth, someone that's going to give you power and boldness to live a successful Christian life for me and for my glory. Isn't that cool? He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us help. Galatians 5.22, it says this, just to describe who he is. It says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Listen to these words. These are words that you and I have a hard time understanding and fully walking out on our own, but that's why the Holy Spirit gives this to us, love. Some of you guys on your own, you're grumpy people, not much love going on in your life. You know who you are. And you're sitting here like, yeah, that's true. I hate people. No, but <laughs> through the power of the Holy Spirit, fresh power, new power, not your old self and your own strength anymore, new power, suddenly you love people. Like you actually like people. He promises love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That when you say yes to Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit comes along and it changes your attitudes and your feelings and your, and your thoughts and the habits that you have. There's a friend of mine that I've, I've recently gotten to know in the past uh, year, a couple years or so. He's been coming to the church and we talk, we hang out, just a lot of good stuff God's doing in his life. But he just told me this the other day. Oh, by the way, I used to hate you. I was like, wait, well, hold on, what? You used to hate me? Yeah, yeah, there was a time I used to hate you. I'm like, wait, I just got to know you from church. Like, I never knew, you know, I never knew you hated me. Like, what the heck? And he's just like, no, no, 
uh, I knew you a couple years back. I was like, what? no, I only met you recently. He goes, no, I knew you. Maybe you didn't know me, but I knew who you were. I was like, oh, <laughs> what? And he goes, uh, yeah, one day we were surfing out at Crouching Lions and on the east side. And uh, yeah, you're out there. And I remember because I saw you catch a wave and you went right. And I was going left and you cut me off and he took my wave. And I hated you from then on. I was like, whoa. And I'm like, I didn't even know that. I'm usually like a nice guy in the water, trying to be cool, say what's up to everybody. But it could have happened. Like, let's be honest. I, I probably did cut you off. Sorry about that. But he goes, yeah, no, I hated you for a long time because I knew who you were. And then I found out from my friends that go to your church that you were the pastor. And, and they invited me to church. I was like, no, I know that guy. That's a, the holly boy cut me off in the water. I was like, and he goes, no, but I started coming. I started listening started getting it, and he goes, I love this church, and you know what? God's doing a new work in me, and I got your back, bro. I'm your friend. Like, I, I believe in this church. I believe in God, and, and I believe in you. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know, that's great, but how cool is it when you say yes to Jesus that you get fresh power? It changes your attitude. It changes your personality and who you are, and the guy that once hated me, and now he likes me. He loves me, and so this is really good. So as a fresh person, we get fresh new upgrades, we get the power of the Holy Spirit. We get the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We see healing in our lives. We receive it. We see miracles. We pray for people and stuff happens. God actually intervenes and there's power beyond ourselves. And I'm not just talking about the big miracles because there's amazing big miracles that God does in our lives. I've had healing in my life. I've prayed for people and stuff has happened, prophetic words for people, speaking in tongues. These are all supernatural, dramatic, amazing, miraculous things. But did you know that God also cares about the small personal miracles in your life? This is the, sometimes the things that get me the most. The other day I was out surfing at a spot and I just had one friend out with me. Like he's basically like my, my other son. He sleeps over the house all the time. He hangs out with my, my kids. He's younger and it's Caleb. And uh, Caleb was out with me. We were surfing together. And I was getting good waves, uh, having a good day. I, you know, it was actually last Sunday or Sunday before. I don't know, but I took a week off to prepare for Easter, just to kind of be rested and be ready. My kids had spring break and stuff. So it was Sunday, you guys were in church, and I was surfing. <laughs> I was playing hooky, I was surfing, and I was like, God, thank you for today, good waves, sunshine, no more rain. It was all good, and then all of a sudden, just like in the movies, whoosh, dun -dun 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 -dun, I see this big fat fin, there's like an eight-foot tiger shark just cruising right on by me, right? When you're that big and you're a tiger shark, you don't need to go fast. Because you're the boss. You're just like, uh, you better run when you see me, you know? He's just cruising by. And I'm just like, ah, Caleb, shark. In we go, paddling in, cut our surf session short. And I'm all bummed. Oh, man, it was a good day. I skipped church. I'm trying to get some waves. What's going on? So I'm wandering around in the shore break just looking for shells. Like, ugh, maybe I can find a shell. My day is over, dumb shark, you know? I'm like, whatever. And here's the thing you guys got to know, because I'm all about diving for shells, and I love hunting shells. God washes up right into me a sunrise shell, like a quarter size, bright red, fiery red. And those of you guys that know are the ones that are going, whoa, because the sunrise shell is kind of rare. It's hard to find. They're not everywhere. People see them. They grab them. I've only found one other sunrise shell in my life. And in my moment when I'm complaining and I'm bummed and going, God, the shark ruined my day, God knew exactly what to give me that was going to bless me the most. And he brought it in. And to you guys are like, big deal. It's a shell. We don't care. But to me... To me, it's a miracle from God to give me the small thing that meant the world to me. And 
I believe that because of the power you have in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, he cares about those little things and he wants to do that in your life. You guys hearing me on this one? Fresh power. Here's the second thing is he gives us fresh purpose. He changes our purpose. When we say yes to Jesus and, and what Resurrection Sunday is all about, we have a different purpose. My old purpose in life, I'll be honest with you guys, and you guys probably agree. Your old purpose in life before Jesus is however best my life turns out, that's what I'm after. Whatever is best for me, as long as I'm happy, you know that saying, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? As long as I'm happy, as long as I got a, a place I like, a car to drive, you know, a roof over my head, the people around me, I like them, I love them, whatever. And if I care about them, that's secondary. But really, I'm out for me. Like, I want to live a good life and die happy, right? That's our old purpose in life. But when Jesus comes along, he gives us commandments, like in Matthew, that talk about when somebody asks him, hey, what's the most important thing in life? How, what's the greatest command? What do you want from us? What will get us access to the kingdom of heaven and obeying the, our heart, God's heart's desires for us? What's the best thing we can do? What's our purpose in life? And Jesus goes, hey, real simple. Uh, that whole book, that Bible, that whole thing you read, everything, the law, the prophets, what everybody teaches, comes down to two simple things. Love God and love others. That's it. Really, it's that Simple. But you know what changed? Purpose. It used to be about love Carl and I am happy. And now it turns to you know, purpose in life is love God and love other people. Here's what it says in the verse we read previously in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. See, we used to think old purpose like, yeah, people matter, but not that much as long as I'm happy. Right? I mean, we love our spouses and our kids and all that, but we're kind of looking out for number one. That's our old purpose. But we've stopped evaluating others from that human point of view. And at one time, we even thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But how differently we know him now. See, I love God and I love others. That's a new purpose for my life. Life gets better. When I love and follow God, listen to his words and plans and promises for my life, read the Bible, my life just works better. On my own, I'll be honest with you, all the things that I hope to achieve in life and the opportunities that I have, it just, if it's left up to me, like think about it, human beings. Uh, I choose to maybe date this person and not date that person. Maybe I'll check this career path or go to school over here or buy a house over here or pick up this hobby or whatever. All of those plans and decisions at best are a gamble because I don't know for sure if they're gonna work out. I think they are, but they may not work out. But here's what I found is when I go God's way and live for his purposes and I put him first and I love him and I follow him and I read his word which is full of instructions and wisdom for my life and I pray to him and I listen for how he's gonna lead me. His Holy Spirit speaks to me. It gives me the thoughts and ideas and mindset and heart to, to choose these certain positions. You know what I find out in choosing those decisions is for the most part, those decisions all seem to work out for good. On my own, it's a gamble, 50-50, gonna be good or bad. But when I go God's way and I live for his plans and purposes, even if it looks like, oh man, God, we made a mistake over here. If I hang in there long enough, I see that God actually goes, no, that's part of the plan. Something good's still gonna come out of that. You guys understand, like, like my purpose has changed. It's not all about me anymore. It's I love God and I wanna follow after what he has for me. But secondly, I gotta love other people. Now I live for, always in my head as a Christian, it's not just about me. How can I make someone else's life better? How can I bless someone else? The greatest thing I have to offer is a relationship with Jesus. So I'm gonna do my best to share what I know about God and introduce them to God and his power for their life. And I think about this often. We just did a three-week series on heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are real places. 
The Bible says that every human being on planet Earth is an eternal being. That means we all end up somewhere for all of eternity. And I want to make sure that anybody that I know, to the best of my ability, I'm helping them to get to heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like hell is a terrible place, but that's where humanity ends up, one or the other. We don't just float around. We don't just cease to exist. We don't just go to sleep. They're real places the Bible talks about. And I got to now have the purpose, part of my life, is to help people get out of there and get into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. And so because of that, it allows me to do things like get up on stage every week and speak to a whole bunch of your faces staring at me every week when naturally, I'm an introvert. Like I'd rather not ever be on stage. Like if it was up to me, I'd be attending church, but I'd probably be in the courtyard hiding close to the coffee. No offense to you guys in the courtyard. You guys got the best seat in the house out there. Fresh air, coffee. But if it was up to me, like I would never do this. But somewhere along the line, God spoke to me and he goes, I've given you some gifts and a calling and and I want you to use them because part of the purpose in your life, Carl, is to make people's lives better and to tell them about Jesus. So I get my nerves up every week and I come up here and I deliver the word even though I'd rather be hiding at home. Like, I don't like walking around town and everybody's like, Pastor Carl! I'm like, ah! Like, I'm just shopping, leave me alone. You know, like, it's weird, but because there's a purpose on my life, you guys get what I'm saying? You don't all have to be pastors in here. But when you say yes to Jesus, it's not just looking out for number one anymore. It's like, no, I love God because he's better. And I love people because I want to help some people out. I want to bless some people. So we have these these new, fresh purposes in our life. And for the long-term Christians in here, you guys that have known Jesus for a long time, I'm speaking to you as well. Because there may be a lot of people in here that are like, I'm new to church or this whole idea of, of following Jesus, it's new. There's a lot of us in here that are like, we heard this already. We know the two things that are most important. You just tell us something we don't know. This is like our 58th Easter service we've ever been to. Like, you're not, here's, here's my word to you, is that Easter needs to be in your life a spiritual spring cleaning. And here's what I mean by that is sometimes we know the purpose, but we let it get so cluttered up with all these other ideas and this Christianity, religiosity, and stuff like that that our original fresh purpose becomes stale. We forget that it comes down to simply loving God, living a life of following him, and loving other people. And we pollute it up with all of our different like rituals, and I go to this church, and I read this devotional, and I'm this, and I'm, that's cool. You listen to the new album, you yeah, I get that. But what he's trying to say to us as long-term Christians is, don't ever let your purpose get old and stale. Again, the word used here is keep it fresh, my friends. Stay fresh. Be reminded that it's time to clean out all the clutter in your life and come back to the original purpose that God has for you. Is it okay if I say that to you? Too late. I said it anyway. (laughs) Here's the last one. I talked about we get fresh power and we get fresh purpose. And the last one is fresh hope. It doesn't start with a P, and I'm kind of upset about that. Power, purpose, hope. Shucks, it didn't. I couldn't think of a P word that fit. Anyways... I believe in hope, and the hope of the Bible is different than the hope of the world, because the hope of the world is this. I hope I have a good day today. I hope my life turns out well. I hope this is the right person I'm going to marry. I hope I have the money to afford that house. It's kind of like uh, there's possibility that something good could happen, but I'm not sure, so I'm hoping that something good would possibly happen. But here's the hope as kind of defined in the New Testament in reference to Jesus. It's a hope that is built on trust on confidence and on expectancy that God is going to do something good in your life. In whatever situation you have hope in, it isn't like, 
well, I, I hope it goes good. It could go bad. It's a hope that says, my hope is in God that even though this looks like this right now, God is going to do something amazing. It's a confidence. It's a trust. It's a different definition than we usually use um, in, in our normal lives. And what is the hope that we have, this fresh hope? Well, I think it's twofold. I think, first of all, there's a hope that this world isn't all there is to eternity, that death was not the end of Jesus that he was raised to life by the power of God, and he promised that to you and me. That means it's not just some far-fetched promise that may or may not happen. There's a hope that says, heaven's real, and that's what I get. That's what I'm shooting for. And that the worst that this world can throw at me, I don't have to worry about because I have the hope of heaven. And I can walk around not fearing death. Now, I don't think I'm invincible or any of that, but the worst that could happen to me is I died a, a premature death. But like the Apostle Paul said, to live is all about Christ. And to die, it's gain. That's even better. Like, that, I don't have to worry. I have this hope of heaven, and I'm doing a funeral coming up real soon, and I was talking to uh, the family of my friend that I'm doing the funeral for, and they were here on the Friday night service. It was his wife, uh, his brother, and his parents. And as we're talking about my friend Peter that passed away, and we're gonna, we're gonna plan his memorial service and everything, we're talking, we're sharing stories, and you know what's happening? They're smiling. They're laughing. There's like a light spirit as we talk. Here's the reason why. It's because everybody there, we have a hope of heaven. We know that when Peter died, according to scripture, he went right to paradise to be with Jesus face to face. And that's where he's at right now in a, in a brand new body, whatever that looks like. Ultimately, we're going to get the real resurrected, like spiritual bodies. But we know that he's not suffering with cancer and hurt and pain and all that he was suffering down here. So you know what that does? It gives me hope. Death isn't the end. Like ultimately when I die, there's good stuff waiting. But here's the second, secondary hope that I have. I have hope because of Jesus that the things and the situations and the relationships and the problems in my life that look dead right now can be made fresh because of the power of God. Amen. That there is fresh hope, not maybe, but hope that says guarantee whatever this looks like that's dead right now God can resurrect and he can do something incredible and there's light at the end of the tunnel even if I don't see it right now. Here's what the, the, the prophet Isaiah wrote some 700 years before Jesus even came onto the scene. In Isaiah 43, he's speaking to his, to his people, God's speaking through the prophet and he says, do not remember the former things nor consider the, the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I mean, can't you see it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Whatever looks dead in your life right now, God is saying, I can bring new life to that. Those dreams that you once had that you've kind of given up on, man, just know me and have the new hope that comes from trusting me. I still got plans for you. The story's not over yet. There's still hope for your life. Those relationships that look like they're done and the heartache is there and you're, you're hurt, God's still got a plan for you. There's this new hope we have in Jesus because of what he did as he resurrected. So don't get defeated by your past. And what does it say right there? Don't remember the former things. Don't think about, consider the things of old. Some of us have some stuff in our past that we'd rather not think about. And whenever we do, it hurts us. And God's saying, ah, don't, don't be driven and defeated by that. Like there's still a chance for me to do something there. Would you just hold on? There's hope in me may feel like something in your life right now looks like a wilderness, as it says in scripture, or a desert, and God has something fresh in mind for that situation for you. Here's what I've come to learn in my life, 
is that God's reputation isn't based on my situation. It means wherever I'm at in my life right now, that isn't the reputation of God because God knows how it's gonna play out and if I put my hope and my trust in him, he's the one that's gonna get me through my ugly situation into better days ahead. My view of God and his reputation is not based on my current situation. That's a word for somebody here today. I believe whatever you're going through here today, that God's saying, hey, I'm bigger, I'm better than that. Just put your hope in me. Here's the, the bottom line for what I'm trying to get at today in this Resurrection Sunday. We've all got some tough stuff we're going through in life. I got tough stuff going on in my life right now, like different, for whatever reasons, it may be different than yours. Things are on me that stress me out, that cause me to have anxiety or try to lose sleep at night. And there's things that I've gotten myself into that I have to pick up the consequences and pick up the pieces and deal with. But there's things, just the stress of this world or in relationships or whatever it might be. There's stuff. Anybody got stuff in here? Stuff like like tough stuff. Like there's other words we could use for stuff. Like I know some of you guys are like, that's bull stuff. But whatever you want to think about it, it's stuff, right? And here's the deal is because of Jesus, because of this fresh new person that he's made me to be is as I deal with this tough stuff, I still have fresh hope that God's going to do something good with all that stuff in my life. And as I'm holding on and I'm believing for that fresh hope, I still see God's fresh power through the Holy Spirit at work in all my circumstances, even while I'm dealing with my stuff. You know, one of the things the Holy Spirit gives us is that word peace. The, the, the world would think, oh, he gives you peace? Does that mean in your chaos, God comes in and he removes the chaos so that you can live at peace again? No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a peace the world doesn't get. Here's the definition of, of the peace the Holy Spirit gives. While you're in your chaos, I'm going to give you peace in the middle of it. So you can feel good like the chaos wasn't going on around you, and yet the world is still what it is. But you're going to have miraculous peace that says, wait, how? the world doesn't get it. How are you so happy, Carl? Right now your life looks like that. Yeah, but I got the peace of God. I believe in God's fresh power for me that would give me something like that, his hope for me. And so I continue to walk in the fresh purposes that he has for my life. It's not about me anymore. I continue to live following God and loving other people all around me. I don't have all the answers, guys, but I know the one who does. And he died on a cross for me and he rose from the dead for me to give me fresh new life. The resurrection, the Easter message is that God gives us fresh new life. So like I said in the beginning, stay fresh, my friends. Is that a good word? Let's pray. God, we thank you for Easter. We thank you that it's our opportunity for some spiritual spring cleaning for us to come back and remember what it's all about in the first place. Lord, I pray that this morning, Lord, that we would walk fresh new lives that was made possible only by you, your love for us, by your son and what he went to the cross. He, he went all the way for us, but he defeated sin and death in the grave. And then you gave us the power of your Holy Spirit to walk in every single day. So Lord, because of you, we're thankful that we are fresh people that we have fresh perspective and fresh attitudes and fresh new life and fresh power, fresh purpose, and fresh hope. Lord, help us to walk in that and appreciate that every day. But today, just to celebrate that in our hearts as we go out with our friends and family, Lord, thank you for the freshness. We want to stay fresh for you. And I want to pray right now also for maybe people that you've never, you've never really been walking with God in a real way before. Maybe today is something new. You learned something here today. God spoke to you through me. Again, it's not my words. It's what God's trying to get across to you. It's his heart for you. He doesn't want you to miss out on all that he has for you. But maybe if you're feeling here this morning that, man, I, I need to say yes to the God that would love me, that would, 
that would go to the, the cross for me, that would give me all of that good blessing and, and fresh hope and fresh life. And if that's you here this morning and you want to make a commitment to him, like I said, it's as simple as a prayer and a belief in your heart. Then don't make it complicated. Just first step is simply just saying, God, I believe in you and I'm going to go your way. And then God's going to come and partner with you and he's going to take care of the rest and how that looks like in your life. But if you would like to take that first step and pray that first simple prayer, I want to, I hope you do. I just want to give you an opportunity this morning that I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer with you and for you. But I'm not going to make you pray it out loud in front of all of these people. That would be kind of embarrassing, scary a little bit. But as I pray the words, this is what I'm asking, that you would take the words that are coming out of my mouth, you would make them the words of your heart to God. Because God says, sometimes lip service is cheap, but I know what's really going on in your heart. And so I want to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask that if you're new to this and you would like to say yes to Jesus and, and really come into the newness of life, the freshness of life that he has for you, that you would pray these words in your heart to me. After service, you can go and confess with your mouth, as the word says. Go talk to someone and tell them, hey, pray that prayer. I'm, I'm a Christian. What do I do now? Well, whoever brought you here this morning, your friend, family, they're going to be excited for you, and they're going to kind of give you some help with the next steps. But it starts right here and now with this prayer that is believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God did raise him from the dead. So if you'd like to join me in this prayer, everybody's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But I personally would love to know who I get the privilege of praying with this morning, the prayer that will change your eternity. I'd love to know who I'm praying with. If this is your prayer right now to say, Pastor Carl, I, I want that prayer. I want new life. I want to be a Christian from here on out. If that's you, would you just let me know right now by raising your hand and holding it up high? Can you just raise your hand if you're going, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer with you right now. Good. I see the hands going up. I see you, sir. I see you over there. I see this hand here. I see a hand over there. If you're in the courtyard, the family room, I see a hand right up front here. Somebody sees you out there as well. Just lift your hands. I see that hand over there. I just want to make sure that you know you've been seen. I see a hand in the back over there. I'm looking around. I just want to make sure that you know that I saw you. What's more importantly is God sees you right now. I see this hand right here over in the middle section, that hand over there. Praise God, so good. If that was you raising your hand, go ahead and put it down right now. And I just want you to make this the prayer of your heart this morning. As I prayed out loud, you just, you just pray this to God in your heart. God, I'm here this morning and, and I get it. I get what you did for me and how big that is. I get what Easter is really all about right now. And Lord, whether I've known you or known about you or whatever, Lord, today I'm telling you I'm all in. And Lord, I believe in Jesus and I believe that you sent him down here to take the weight of my sins and to pay the price for me so that I could know you. I believe, Jesus, that you came and that you loved enough to go to that cross and your power was great enough to overcome the sin in my life and overcome death itself by rising on that third day. Lord, I believe that if I would follow you and put my trust in you and go your way from now on and follow your purposes that I am saved and I'm going to walk in your power, your love, your purpose, your hope for my life. So Lord, right now I'm telling you that from here on out, I, I received this gift of salvation that was free, that you did for me. Lord, I'm going to live it every day of my life. Lord, as you fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit to do the things I cannot do on my own. Lord, as you help me to, to get a Bible and start reading about how good you are and what you have for my life. And Lord, as you plug me into either this church or any good local Bible-believing, truth-preaching church where I could know more about you and get surrounded by family that would love me. 
Lord, as I get water baptized, just the symbol that I'm dying to my old self and I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Lord, everything you have for me from the bottom of my heart right now is yes. I will follow you. Thank you from this moment on for being my God all of my days into eternity as I spend eternity in heaven with you. Thank you for being my God. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen. Let's praise God right now with those people that prayed that. Amen.